You're listening to teaching from the Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. Have you ever felt forgotten? Maybe you've been forgotten as a child. Uh, maybe uh, the, your parents thought that you were in the car and you weren't, or they, you were leaving somewhere, and uh, maybe you forgot someone. Maybe you're going through a hard time right now. Maybe you're grieving. Maybe you're going through some kind of physical element. And you wonder if anyone even knows You wonder if anyone even cares. Maybe you're in that child uh, raising time period where it's really difficult. You have small kids or you have teenagers and and it's just, life is tough. And and you just wonder if anyone cares. You, You just feel forgotten. It was the summer after my junior year in college that we took a mission trip to Ukraine. I was excited. It was college and high school students. It was the first time that I rode on a jet. I mean, I had been in a little crop plane before, but I mean, this was a whole new experience. And, and man, we we're going to be gone for several weeks. And, and we get on this plane, and I'm with people, and, and we're just so excited. And I got my first experience with, with plain food. And I said, oh, okay. Uh, I need to eat up a whole lot before I get on the plane. We had our first layover, and we were exhausted, and I remember I was just so tired, I just fell asleep on the, uh, just on the ground. I mean, it was, it was a several, several hours. We eventually get to Ukraine. We, we flew into Kiev, and, and man, there was just tons and tons of people. And I thought, man, this is a lot different than Joplin, where my, where my college was from. I mean, just tons of people everywhere, and and then there was these guys with these big guns. I mean, and this was the days before heavy security at our airports. And, and man, you're like, man, you don't want to cross that guy. And, and then we went over and we got our luggage. And, and this was the days before luggage limits. And so, I mean, they were like huge duffel bags, like bigger than some of our high school students. I mean, it was just huge. And so, I mean, we're moving those around. And, and I mean, we just had that classic American tourist look. I mean, it was just, you, you know what that is. And, and, and so here we are, we get our group of, I don't know, 15, 20 people. And then we start dividing up into groups of four. And the missionary comes and meets us, and we're so excited. And, and then hosts were to come and pick us up and to take, them, take us to their house. And, and my group of four, somehow in the midst of, all of this confusion and all of these people, we got left. And this was the day before cell phones. I mean, cell phones, we didn't even know what those were back then. Uh, if they were, it was like a big brick that you carried in your phone or in your car. You, you know what I'm talking about. And, and so here we are. I have a group of high school and college students. I was probably like the oldest one. And, and I just remember we were by a statue. I think it was like of Stalin or something like that. And, and, and we have, again, these big bags, and we're just waiting. And we're in this foreign country, and I see these guys with big guns, and I don't know what to do. And then, if that's not the bad part, these homeless guys, boys, 
starts roaming around, and they're looking for opportunities to steal some of our stuff. And so you're like, we got our cameras, and we got this and that, and, and anytime, I mean, they were just lurking around. So one of our guys ended up coming up with an idea. He, he saw that there was a soda shop, and so he was like, hey, let's go buy them Coke, and maybe we'll, they'll be nice to us. And, and so sure enough, we got our money out, and I don't know exactly how we did it, but we communicated. We wanted to buy Coke, and they took our money, and, and, and we shared Coke with them. But we waited and waited and waited. And, and I'll never forget that feeling to this very day of feeling forgotten, feeling unimportant. Well, eventually, our master planner, our, our person that led the trip, realized, hey, these guys aren't where they're supposed to be. Everyone else is here. I wonder where they're at. We were still at the airport. And, and, and so they get with the missionary. Oh, the host forgot, and they brought the host, and eventually we got settled, and we ended up having a great trip. Have you ever felt that way? Felt overlooked? Felt unimportant? Felt like you didn't, that no one really cared? If you're new here, first of all, I hope that you won't feel forgotten here today. I hope that you'll feel the love of this church. We're glad that you are here. And we've been in a series called Follow the Leader, and we've been looking at the apostles. And this is really a sub-series within a year-long series called All In, and we're talking about being fully committed to walking with Christ. Not just a little bit of walking with Christ, but being fully devoted and we've been looking at the apostles, and we've been looking at some of their good traits, and we looked at some of their weaknesses. And today, we're looking at some apostles that we often don't talk about. And normally, when we talk about the apostles, we think about Peter. We think about maybe James and John, the sons of thunder. We might even think about Matthew, the tax collector. Or we might even think about Judas, the one who betrayed Jesus. But today we're talking about James, Simon, and who was the other person? James, Simon, and Judas. I like to call them the forgotten apostles uh, or the other James, the other Simon, the other Judas. This isn't the James that, that has the brother named John. This isn't Simon Peter. This isn't Judas, the one who betrayed Jesus, and so I like to call them the other James, the other Simon, the other Judas. And it's easy to forget about them because there's not a whole lot in Scripture about them. I mean, you might read their name and you're like, okay, I know they're an apostle, but I don't know a whole lot beyond that. I want to kind of quickly give you a recap of each person because, again, there's not a lot in Scripture about them. So let's dig in. James, there's three Jameses in Scripture. One was the half-brother of Jesus, also the author of the book of James, leader of the Jerusalem church. Then there was James, son of Zebedee, John's brother, the apostle. He was the more famous uh, James. And then there's the James that we're talking about, the son of Alphaeus, also called James the Less. I mean, that's got to make you feel real good. Hey, I'm James the Less. Less can mean a lot of different things. You'll see this come up on screen. Less can mean younger, so he might have been younger than James, the, the brother of John. He might have been a short person, and so he might have been short in size, or it could mean that he was less important. I'm not sure that I really want that term. Hey, I'm James the Less. 
Uh, some speculate that he is Matthew's brother. Matthew is also called the son of Alphaeus, even though Scripture doesn't say that they're brothers, like Andrew and Peter and James and John. And so some speculate it, but in the other passages, with the other apostles, it was clear that they were brothers. Nothing is recorded in the Bible of anything that James said or did. He lived his life in obscurity. Most people don't really know a whole lot about him. Tradition implies that it was James the Less who may have taken the gospel to Persia, modern Iran, and was martyred there. Others believe that he was stoned by the Jews for preaching Christ and buried in Jerusalem. There you go, James. Now let's look at our next apostle. Simon, he was a zealot, anyone who, was, who fervently supported a particular cause. In the New Testament, the zealots were a party zealous for Jewish independence, throwing off Roman rule. They hoped to accomplish this by inciting people to rebellion, driving Romans from Israel, and establishing a Mosaic theocracy. And we might call them more like terrorists, quite honestly. Uh, they were known for carrying curved daggers. Uh, they would use them on anyone, especially Jews, if they conspired with or supported Romans. And, and, and so they, they would get up close to someone, and then they would take that dagger out, and they would stab them. They would do that to Roman officials. They would do that to Jews who were sympathizers. Only mentioned three times in Scripture, always listed with the apostles. And, and then we're going to see that Simon, uh, that tradition says that Simon uh, preached the gospel in Persia and was ultimately killed for refusing to sacrifice to the sun god. That's, that's what tradition says. The Bible doesn't say that. Uh, and then we're going to see our next man, the man with three names, Judas, Thaddeus, and Libanius. Uh, Bible scholars suggest that Judas was his given name. Uh, Thaddeus and Libanius were nicknames. Libanius means heart child. Thaddeus means breast child. Most likely, he was breastfed by his mother. Uh, John MacArthur said, proposes that these names were given because he was a mama's boy and also had a tender-like, childlike heart. Uh, he's known as the son of James. His only recorded words are in John 14, 22, where, he, where uh, Judas says, uh, to, to Jesus, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? Basically, Jesus was telling them that he was going to die, that the Holy Spirit was going to come on them, and that, that Jesus would appear to them. And, and Jesus is thinking kind of this political kingdom. He, he's imagining that, and he can't imagine a spiritual kingdom. And so he's, he's like... If you're going to have this political kingdom, why wouldn't the whole nation see? And he doesn't understand the cross or the resurrection, which none of the apostles really did in the first place. Uh, extra biblical literature says that after Pentecost, Thaddeus took the gospel message north, uh, where he performed miracles and preached and found a church in, in, in Edessa, an area in modern Turkey. One tradition says that he was either clubbed or axed to death for his faith. Uh, another said that he was crucified. And so that's kind of a quick recap of our apostles. Have you ever felt like these apostles? Have you ever felt that same emotion? You serve quietly in your homes and in your neighborhoods. 
in this church and you wonder if anyone even notices. I just want to remind you that God notices. God sees what you're doing. He sees you serving quietly. He sees the things that you're doing. And sometimes, and I think a lot of times this is from the flesh, we say, God, you know what? I feel like I'm made for so much more. I have all of these gifts and abilities and talents, and, and I want the world to see them, and I, and I want to be like this, and I want to be like that person, and I want to have this platform. My professor, Mark Moore, at Ozark Christian College, he talked about this. Uh, even uh, back when I was in college, he, he talked about this, this urgency that we want everyone to see our gifts and abilities. And, and, and he challenged us with this, and, and he recently re-said this in a sermon. He said, focus on your character more than your capacity. We need to focus on walking with Christ, of becoming more like Christ, instead of worrying about everyone noticing us. We, instead of being famous, just focus on becoming more like Christ, who was a servant. Then he said, sometimes God asks you to stand in the gap where you're needed. God didn't ask you to shine He asked you to what? Serve. And when I heard those words, that's so convicting. Like we all, many of you in this room, you want this platform, you want this or that, and you think, man, I have all these gifts and abilities. But God often says, I just want you to serve. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. Just just serve. Have my heart. This could have been James, Simon, and Judas. They didn't shine that we know of but they did serve. They weren't worried about their names being on a plaque or on a building or being credited with writing a book. They weren't out to be famous. They served and God saw it. And that's what some of you need to hear today. You're serving quietly and God sees it. He sees what you're doing. As I thought about the apostles, I thought about some words from from Dave Stone. Uh, We've been going through a series uh, on Sunday nights on racism called One. And in this series, he said, imagine sitting in a room with the apostles. You had some pretty diverse personalities. I mean, you had Peter who was bold and brash. You had the sons of thunder, James and John, who were passionate I mean, they were in your face, and they were ready to call down fire at any point in time. I mean, you just, they were loud. You couldn't miss them. On the other hand, maybe you had timid uh, Judas or Thaddeus writing poetry. You, you got a tax collector, Matthew, and Simon the Zealot in the same room, one watching CNN, the other watching Fox News. They're both on the opposite ends of the spectrum. In the past, Simon would have wanted to kill Matthew for being a sympathizer with the Romans working for them. You got pessimistic Thomas thinking about dying, thinking about every bad thing that could happen. You got Andrew coming up with ways, hey, how can I bring people to Jesus? You got Philip figuring out, how am I going to feed all of these people? I mean, he's the bean counter thinking, oh, man. You got... You got Judas in charge of the money, taking a little for himself, thinking, man, you know, I could take this money and buy some extra golf clubs. You got a variety of ages, a variety of former occupations, a variety of personalities. You've got diversity. 
Now, diversity is a buzzword in our society, but it's God's idea. It's God's idea. Imagine life without diversity. What if the entire earth was like San Antonio? I love San Antonio. I mean, I love our two seasons, spring and summer. I mean, it's nice. I mean, if you can get past the middle of July and August, life is great every, every, uh, every other month. But I got to tell you, as much as I like San Antonio and I like the people and I like the tacos and I like the enchiladas and I, and I like the culture, I love to go visit new places. Occasionally, I don't mind seeing a little bit of snow. I love to see mountains and waterfalls and, and big trees. I, I love to see the ocean. I, I just love to see new things. I, I love seeing the rest of God's creation. I love how he made it diverse. What if everyone on earth was just like you? I know some people get on my nerves, but I really get on my nerves. Some of you have been blessed with a child that's just like you. You know what I'm talking about, right? You, you know, it's hard for you to get along with them because they have a lot of your traits. We can drive each other crazy. What if everyone was just like you? I don't think it would be a pleasant experience. I'm grateful that God has created people different. I'm grateful to learn from, from people how they see things differently. I'm grateful that God brought my wife into my life. She's taught me so much about different perspectives and, and helped me get better in so many different ways. Many of you have been blessed with a spouse or a friend or someone that can teach you a little bit more. The Bible is filled with diversity. I mean, you got a wise man named Solomon, you got a prostitute named Rahab, you got a Moabitess named Ruth, you got Abraham who became a father at 86, you got Johash who became a king at age seven, you got Samson, a guy of questionable questionable character, and then Deborah, who were judges. And you got a Hebrew orphan that leads God's people uh, to freedom. He became a prince, eventually became a, a shepherd. And then God says, hey, Moses, I want you to lead these people to freedom, dealing with some stubborn people. And I could just go on and on, but if you look at the Bible, the Bible is filled with diversity. Later on, we fast forward to, to Acts chapter 2, Pentecost. And, and, and we're going to see what happens here is Jews are from all around are there. And God chose to release his Holy Spirit. And rather than giving a diverse crowd a supernatural ability to understand one language, God gave the disciples a supernatural gift of speaking in other languages and the skills that they needed to preach the gospel cross-culturally. And, and, and we'll see it here in, in verse 6, it says, they were bewildered and they could hear in their own languages being spoken by the believers. Let's go to the next one. Yes, we hear them speaking our own native languages. And so we have all these languages. We'll see in the next slide. All these different types of people, Medes and Elamites, people from Judea, Egypt. I mean, just creations, Arabs. I mean, you, they hear all these things. We see that God, we have a God of diversity. As we look at the diverse team that Jesus chose, the apostles, what, what stood out to me was not just the diversity, but their unity. Diversity is wonderful, but unity in the midst of diversity is powerful. God does his best work in the midst of unity. 
Jesus was, was preparing the apostles, each with his own background, his own, or with their own strengths and flaws, to make an impact on the kingdom of God to continue the work of Christ, reconciling God's children to him. And while the apostles could have chosen to focus on their differences, God instead used their differences to strengthen their collective power for his good work. In the same way, Paul reminds us in Galatians chapter 3 this, for you are what? All children of God, through faith in Christ Jesus, all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are what? All one in Christ Jesus. I love this quote from Tony Evans. He says, when Christians are unified, Christ is glorified. When Christians are unified, Christ is glorified. And, and the problem in so many churches is, as Christians, we go and we shoot each other. But when we come together and we're focused on the mission of Christ, of saving and seeking the lost, amazing things happen. Billy Graham said this beautiful quote, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Amen. When we're focused on the, Christ, on the cross, instead of focusing on each other's differences, man, great things happen. And, and, and I, just, I just love that. You know, when, when I look out at you, I see this beautiful mosaic. The church is a mosaic. Look, at, look around right now. Just take time. We have different races in here. We have some that are young and some that are old. We have some that are short and some that are tall. We have some that are Republican and some that are Democrat and some that are libertarian and some that don't care. We have some people that love to read and some people who don't. We have some people that love music and some who could care less. We love some of you that like gaming and some of you that can stand it. We have some of you that love movies. There's a wide range of diversity. But even though we're diverse, we come under the cross. And we remember why Jesus came to seek and save the lost. We're here because of the Great Commission to go and make disciples of all nations. We're here to become disciples, to be fully committed to being more like Christ. And not only that, but to tell as many people as we possibly can about Christ. One person compared the church to a symphony of broken instruments. Let me demonstrate it this way. On December the 4th, 2017, 400 musicians gathered in the 23rd Street Armory of Philadelphia to perform the Symphony for a Broken Orchestra by David Lang. The orchestra included amateurs and professionals, every member, or even members of the storied Philadelphia Orchestra. They had a young nine-year-old there. They also had a, uh, an 82-year-old there. It was one of the most diverse orchestras in America. And the 400 brought with them broken instruments. They had a trumpet that was held together with painter's tape. A violin that was missing a string. And they, they had a cello that was uh, in multiple pieces. And there was a, a French horn that kept on losing its mouthpiece. They, they, they had a, uh, a bow that had lost most of its hair. And, and then they began to start. And, 
And this is the amazing part. All of a sudden, that trumpet that couldn't play could, though, make a little tap. And you began to hear a little rhythm. And then you heard the scraping of this bow against a, a violin that didn't have any, screen, or any strings. And then Acellus made a little noise by, by turning her stringless peg. And, and for 40 minutes, all of this, this symphony came to life. It, it was joyful. The, the clarinetist would burst out in short bursts, the best that they could do. Uh, the, the French horn that kept on losing its mouthpiece did the best that she could do. And altogether, though, it produced this rich harmony. The music was playful and joyful. And then it came to an end. And everyone stood up and applauded. It was beautiful. In the church, we're a lot like that. I think all of us are probably broken in some way. Well, we may put on a pretty face and we may dress up or we may not dress up. But we have our issues. We, we have our struggles. But we come here and we surrender. We say, God, would you use me? And God takes our brokenness and he makes us into a beautiful symphony. One with great harmony. Like the apostles, we're all different, but we all have a role. Just like Christ prepared the apostles to make an impact for the kingdom, he's preparing us. He wants to use us. He, you may feel forgotten, but you're not. I, I want to leave you with two questions for your journals. Have I let a weakness keep me from serving? What instrument can I play in the symphony? Have I let a weakness as a, use that as an excuse to keep me from serving? I, I want you to pray about that. I want you to think about that. And, and then lastly, when have I let my differences from others become an obstacle? And how can I turn diversity into an opportunity to glorify God? I, I, I love the church because it is so diverse, because it is a, a symphony with broken instruments. It's a mosaic that's so different, but God calls it together under the cross. 